I shared in, in Luke that blessing we have in water baptism where God the Father speaks over Jesus, that you are loved, you're a child of God, and he's pleased with you. Everything else really stems from that statement. So I do pray that you get to live in that um, and appreciate that, especially as we head into this, this Christmas season and celebrate the coming of Christ, that we can have that spoken over our lives. Uh, thank you, music team, for leading us in song today. I do want to welcome all those joining us online. I'm Pastor Zach, Shelley and I serve as lead pastors of this great church. We love Connection Point Church. I love Christmas at Connection Point Church. I took pictures this morning on Main Street, posted those on Facebook, and already people are always like, wow, you know? It's an awesome space out there on Main Street to celebrate Christmas. Uh, I don't know how many of you are aware of the fact that toddlers are not known for their sharing skills. Anybody know that this morning? Any parents of toddlers in the room? Come on, we gotta have a few. God bless you this morning. (laughs) <laughs> I actually really like toddlers. Uh, you just never know what's going to happen. Um, so I just feel like this is, this is a fun time with toddlers. But, you know, what's interesting with toddlers, their two favorite words, if anybody knows them, it's no and mine. Those are the two words. Uh, they're really good at those two. Uh, but what was interesting is there was a study done at University of British Columbia where they wanted to test the sharing skills of toddlers. And so they set up this experiment where they had a a puppet in the same room as some toddlers, and they had some treats that they gave to the toddlers. And they told these toddlers, this puppet loves treats. And they just like left the room and wanted to see what they do. And hands down, most of those kids shared those treats with the the puppet. Isn't that incredible? Um, There is something inside of us that has a heart toward generosity and giving, but sometimes it has to be stirred. Uh, There were some studies done at Harvard and other universities where they wanted to test this theory on adults too. And so they gave a bunch of adults, they gave them, uh, some of them $5, some of them $20, and they basically asked those adults, they said, look, okay, so half the group, you need to spend that money on yourself by the end of the day, the other half had to spend it on somebody else. And they wanted to measure happiness by the end of the day. And hands down, the group that was happiest by the end of the day was the group that spent that money on somebody else. That's just the way it works. There is something about giving in our heart that helps to remove hopelessness. That helps to, um, what they actually showed is that people who live generous lifestyles, they live longer and they live happier. That's just what's proven in science. But of course, it's never a surprise to me that Jesus talks about this 2,000 years ago, and we're always playing the game of catch-up to apply these things to our lives. Paul, in, in Acts chapter 20, so the Apostle Paul, a New Testament believer in Christ, he's quoting Jesus where he says, it's more blessed to give than to receive. So, again, scripture, Jesus makes a statement, science eventually catches up and and proves what Jesus already spoke. But that's what we find, that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And when we're in this season of giving, I feel like it's a great time to talk a little bit about elements of giving. Um, And so what I want to do this morning is just talk about that, to talk about the opportunity we have to give and even some of the benefits that we have in giving. Some are proved by science, benefits of living a life that is happier and more stress-free, But we have some promises that we find in Scripture, too, and so that's what I'd like to examine this morning. And so we're going to look at 2 Corinthians. And when we look at that passage, here's what we're going to find, that you can experience joy by giving. You can experience joy by giving. Very, very simple, very basic. But what I want to do is examine a Scripture that helps lead us to that this morning. So we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 11. So I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's word this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 11, 
And we just want to look at this principle that Paul shares as it relates to what it looks like to give in the kingdom and some of the benefits that we receive as a part of that. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency, all things at all times, you must abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he is given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Amen. These are the very words of God. You may be seated this morning. So a couple of things we find from the scripture and others that I'm going to highlight this morning is that you can experience joy by giving because God provides for our needs. You can experience joy by giving because God provides for our needs. Uh, so Shelly and I, we love that we live in an agricultural community. It really is neat to see the ebbs and flows of farming. Um, we love to see the principles of sowing and reaping right in front of our very eyes. Uh, some of those laws are very, very simple. Uh, I'm going to explain that by asking you some questions this morning. You already know the answer. There, there is no short questions, by the way. When you sow corn, what do you reap? Nice, you guys are the A group this morning. When you sow soybeans, what do you, what do you reap? Yeah, you sow wheat, what do you reap? When you sow oatmeal chocolate chip cookies, what do you reap? Calories, somebody said. That's awful. Oh, man. Somebody's already passing out Christmas goodies this morning. But yes, it's very simple. What you sow, you shall reap. And if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. Uh, so this uh, fall, as farmers were farming, our, our kids were invited to ride up in a combine so they could be a part of harvesting corn. Um, so Shelly and I jumped on that opportunity as well. So we were riding in a combine. It really is incredible, the technology in farm equipment today. If you've not seen that, um, talk to one of the farmers in the congregation, you can join them. So they're measuring all kinds of things. They're measuring soil, they're measuring seed rates, um, all kinds of stuff. Uh, I, I did want to ask the question if I could order an Americano from Starbucks from that same equipment. I mean, it's, it's pretty handy. It's pretty cool stuff. Um, but it's amazing as you look at farming today and the technology that's there, what the goal really is increasing the rate of seeds in the land. That's really one of the goals of farming. I had met with one of our farmers last year and was asking him these questions. And what he explained is in the 1970s, for each acre that you had, a farmer could plant 20 to 25,000 seeds per acre. Well, now because of technology and where they've gone in farming, you can plant 30 to 35,000 seeds per acre in that ground. And of course, what's cool to me when you look at sowing and reaping is you plant one kernel of corn. So you put one kernel in the ground and out of that kernel, you get 500 to 600 more kernels. That's incredible sowing and reaping when you get a 500-fold increase. That's amazing. But when you look at what that means per acre, so in the 70s, when somebody's planting like 20,000 seeds per acre, that's 11 million new seeds that rise up. Now, today, when you plant uh, 30 to 35,000, that's 19 million new seeds. That's sowing and reaping. And so one of the goals of farming is increasing your seed rate or increasing the amount of seeds going in the ground, knowing as you sow bountifully, you shall reap bountifully. 
And that's what Paul is talking about here. When he's sharing that scripture, what he's saying is, if you sow uh, bountifully, you shall reap bountifully. He's sharing the same thing. It's the same principle. And so then the question is, well, how does that apply to the kingdom of God? We know what that looks like for farming, but what does Paul mean when he says, if you sow bountifully, you shall reap bountifully? And all he's really talking about in that scripture is, is understanding that if you're going to sow bountifully, if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. And so what he's meaning in that context is how do you then get to the place of sowing bountifully? And that's really what I want to share this morning. And the way that you get to a place of sowing bountifully, very simple, you just take next steps in giving. You learn to become a giver. And that's going to look something like something different for everybody in this room today because everybody's at a different place in giving. And the reason I want to talk about that now is, number one, we're in the season of giving, so it's a great time to do that. But a second reason is, too, as you head into the new year, I just want to challenge you to take next steps in giving. And the reasons why I want to encourage you to do that is a couple of reasons. Number one, one of our core values here at Connection Point is giving generously. It's been a part of the culture of this church uh, for its entire lifespan of 33 plus years. That's just a part of what the church is. Another reason is, is it's one of the marks of following Jesus. Followers of Jesus have a heart to give. That's another reason. I want to cover two more, and for me, those are actually the most important two, but I'll, I'll get into those as I continue in the message this morning. So what I want to do is encourage you to look at your programs this morning. There was a bookmark we stuck inside, and this is what it looks like to take next steps in giving. So if you didn't get a program, maybe you could raise your hand and our floor host, which I did not prepare you for this morning, sorry floor host, if you didn't get one this morning, feel free to raise your hand and they'll pass you one of those. And there's a bookmark in there for you to put in your Bible, it's for you to take home today. And it simply explains what next levels in giving look like. So I've listed or labeled five levels of giving. Nunner, occasional, consistent, obedient, and generous. Those five levels. So nunner, occasional, consistent, obedient, and generous. That's why I said this, is, this message is for everyone in this room this morning because everybody's at a different place and how you have learned to give. Because in order to sow bountifully so that we can reap bountifully for the kingdom of God, you first just need to start by learning how to give no matter where you're at in that level of giving. So I want to explain these five areas and what those mean. Honestly, I try to use descriptive words to make it as obvious as I could. Any guess on what a nunner is? just not giving. Yeah. I mean, so everybody starts somewhere, right? And that's okay. So maybe that's you this morning. And so somebody that wouldn't give the next level up occasional. What do you think that giver is? Come on, not no trick questions this morning. I told you they occasionally give. So that might be look like, you know, the offering bucket's going by and you nudge your spouse to say, Hey, you have your wallet this morning. You have your purse and you just drop something in occasionally. That's an occasional giver. Okay. Next level up again, no trick questions. What do you think that is? You consistently give. It's not just a nudge, but it's to say, we're going to consistently give. And one of the easy ways to do that is through our online giving. And so a lot of people utilize that. Next level up is then an obedient giver, which the Bible refers to as someone who tithes. So that's why we call that obedient giving. What we find in the Bible is God lays out what it looks like to give obediently. Uh, reading in Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. Will man rob God, yet you are robbing me. So God is talking to the Israelite people here. How have, uh, how have we robbed you, the Israelites ask? In your tithes and contributions, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need, I will rebuke the devourer for you. 
I'm going to pause there because what it looks like in obedient giving is here's number one principle. Everything belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. He simply has given us stewardship of certain resources. And part of that is a test for us to see how God can utilize us for the advancement of his kingdom. So this devourer, another uh, version would say that the locusts. So it's talking about agriculture again. So what he's saying is, I will rebuke, I will send away the locusts so that your farm fields are not devoured, so that I will not destroy the fruits of your soil, and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. So even this is all about a testimony to other nations, that when they look upon the blessings of the Lord upon your life, it makes them begin to question for themselves the blessings that they might be lacking in their lives. So the principle of obedient giving is this that you can do more with the blessed 90% than you can with the 100% that you have stewardship of, but there's no blessing of God upon it. So that's what tithing is. That's obedient giving. And then the next step from there is one of generous giving, and which we simply label as kingdom builders. So that's why we try to make it very simple for people to, to live in giving at those top two levels. Now, Pastor Jim said it this morning. What he said is, as we collected and received our gifts this morning, is, is you give obediently, as you bring your tithe into the storehouse or bring your tithe into the church and you give generously as you give to kingdom builders. So we're just talking about the top two levels of giving. But I mention that to say, I know it's really hard. If you didn't grow up with that in your household, as far as giving, maybe that wasn't a part of the life that you've lived, then sometimes tackling 10%, it can seem like a daunting task. So I'll pressure off this morning. I simply want to challenge you to take next steps in giving. So if you've been a nunner, what I would challenge you in next year, become an occasional giver. When the offering bucket passes you by, just drop something in. Simply commit to becoming an occasional giver. Uh, my youth pastor, when I was in youth group, he uh, challenged us that every time an offering bucket passes you by, that you drop something in. Because it just teaches you to have a heart of generosity in giving. So that would be an occasional giver. But maybe you've already been doing that. So in 2017, you've been an occasional giver. So the next step for you is to become a consistent giver. That you're going to say every week consistently, we're going to give X dollar amount, you know, 2%, 5% of what our income is. And I want to get to the place where I become a consistent giver. But maybe you've been a consistent giver. And so now you want to take that next step of becoming an obedient giver. And we've tried to make it simple for people in the church to take that next step. Because we know that 10% can seem like a lot if you've not been in the habit of giving in that way. So we set up something called a 90-day challenge. And the reason I did that is because when you look at the scripture in Malachi, God says... Test me in this and see if I don't. So part of the goal of the church is to create an environment where you can fulfill scripture. And so we wanted to do that through something called 90 Day Challenge. So if you've been a consistent giver, you've never been a tither, something you could do next year is simply take the 90 Day Challenge that for three months you commit to tithe. And if you give that tithe, then what we're saying is we're going to see if God doesn't do exactly what his word said. And the way that you do that is if you look on your offering envelopes this morning, Two things, that verse from Malachi is on there because we want to point people to where this aligns in scripture. Second thing is, is there's a 90-day challenge option on there. So if you want to move from being a consistent giver to an obedient giver, when you give your offering weekly, monthly, whatever that looks like, simply put that dollar amount in the 90-day challenge piece. And what our accountant does, our bookkeeper, she sets that money into a separate account and allows that just to rest there for 90 days. And if at the end of 90 days, scripture hasn't held true, then the church makes a commitment that they refund the funds that you've given toward that account. And here's the reason we set that up. Number one, I know God will do his part. It's just a matter of are we willing to do our part. That's why it's easy for me to set up something like that. 
So I just, I encourage you, if you've been a consistent giver, become an obedient giver next year. And you can do that by doing the 90-day challenge and test God in this. He says that we can. And then the last step is, is if you've been an obedient giver, jump up the next level of becoming a generous giver. So often in the church, we've looked at the tithe as the ceiling, but what you need to understand is in the New Testament, it's actually the floor. New Testament giving is one of generosity. So in the Old Testament, it was live up to this, but in the New Testament, we push that down to the floor and say, now we're called to be generous givers. And here's where I want to point you to in Scripture, in in, uh, 2 Corinthians, in the chapter right before the one that we read this morning. Paul was writing the church in Corinth, and basically he's bragging on the churches in Macedonia because he's passing through there, and they're facing some hardship, but Paul tells them, hey, I'm actually going to the church in Jerusalem, and they say, let us be a part of giving to the church in Jerusalem because they're facing hardship. And so here's what he says in 2 Corinthians um, 8, 1 to 4. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. So Paul's bragging on the churches of Macedonia, and I just feel like it's really interesting to look at that scripture and to ask, how does somebody give beyond their means? And when you look at what God does in ways of resource stewardship, the way that happens is because God blesses those who are obedient givers. He blesses obedient givers so that they can go to the next level and become generous givers. That's the test. So God is saying, if I can trust you with uh, resources and you're going to tithe on that amount, then I'm going to pour blessings into your life so that you can now become a generous giver and give beyond your means. It's supernatural giving. And here's what I mean by that. Look at the scriptures from this morning. Malachi 3.10, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there's no more need. So how do you give generously? You start by giving obediently. God does what he does. He covers your provisions and needs so that you can now step into the next realm of giving generously. And this is our passage from this morning, 2 Corinthians 9. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. He who supplies seed to the sower. Who supplies seed to the sower? Again, note your questions. God. God supplies seed to the sower, and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So that's how it happens. You, you basically just take next steps in giving. How do, you, how do you sow bountifully so that you can reap bountifully? You simply take next steps in giving. And so do that this year. No matter where you find yourself on that ladder this morning, just take next steps and you'll get to the place where you can start to sow bountifully so that we can see a bountiful reaping as well. So I challenge you in next steps of giving this year. So you can experience joy in giving because God provides for your needs. That's what he does. But you can also experience joy in giving because your giving results in joy in other people's lives. Your giving results in joy for other people's lives. This is one of the main reasons for me that we find giving as a part of New Testament life. Because giving results in joy in other people's lives. Here's what the scripture said from this morning. I think we could probably jump through the third slide if we can. We have the whole scripture there, but really what I want to get to is verse 11. Paul writes, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And then he's going to keep jumping. So can we jump to the last one? Are you there? Yes, you're already there. You're way ahead of me. Thanks. Last verse there, verse 11 says, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. 
you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. This is why we give. This is why we take next steps in giving because we know through giving, it results in hearts of thanksgiving for others. Uh, as I prepared this message this year, this is one of my favorite to prepare because I get to sit down in our bookkeeper's office and just ask the questions of, I need numbers. What kind of hearts of thanksgiving have we seen this year? And because of your generosity in giving, I get to report on those. First one, food pantry. Because of your generosity, we've seen 600 families, 2,500 people come through our food pantry this year. Isn't that amazing? 2,500 people. 2,500 people receiving hearts of thanksgiving because of your generosity in giving. We gave 50 backpacks to elementary students who otherwise wouldn't have had school supplies. We gave a dozen Thanksgiving baskets to families in our local community who otherwise wouldn't have had a Thanksgiving. Your giving results in hearts of thanksgiving for others. And I'll mention too, we support 85 different people or ministries in 30 different countries around the world every month. Every month, 85 different people and ministries. That means every month, Connection Point is making a difference in Morocco. Every point, Connection Point, is making a difference in countries all throughout Africa, in South Africa, in France. I'm just trying to think of all the people we support in Indonesia. I mean, we could go th through the list in India. So there's all kinds of places that every month this church is touching. Why? Because of the generosity of people in this church. But not only has your uh, giving touched those lives, it also, yes, it pays the light bills. We have lights this morning because of your generosity. And that's important because what happens here is we see lives changed every week. This year, so far, 119 people have made a decision to follow Jesus. 119 people. 119 people will live in eternity with us as the body of Christ because of your generosity. That's amazing. 39 people have been water baptized. 41 people baptized in the Holy Spirit. Your giving results in hearts of thanksgiving for others. Your giving does more than just relieve needs. It actually inspires thanksgiving to God. I love that. It doesn't just relieve needs. It inspires thanksgiving to God. That's New Testament giving. So I just encourage you this morning, take next steps in giving. If you want to reap bountifully, we've got to sow bountifully. But before we can sow bountifully, we just need to take next steps in giving. So I encourage you to do that this morning. Your giving results in joy in other people's lives. So what I want you to do this morning is to take out that... Uh, bookmark. Take out that bookmark this morning. This is yours. We're not collecting this. This is yours to take home with you. You could put it in your Bible at 2 Corinthians 9, 11 if you want to do that. And all I would encourage you to do is take a look at, find where you're at on this list. If this last year you've been a nunner, circle consistent or occasional to say, this year I, can, I commit to being an occasional giver. If you've been an occasional giver, Circle and say, I really want to become a consistent giver. This is a commitment between you and God. This is for you to be able to take home and say, I'm trusting the Lord's going to help me grow and learn in giving this year. The last principle I want to give you in terms of why do we give? Why would we encourage you to give? In Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is sharing his Sermon on the Mount, his king's speech. And what he says is, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will will be also. The principle of New Testament giving, I love that those two aren't reversed. Notice it doesn't say that where your heart is, there your treasure is. No. It says that where your treasure is, there your heart is. So you actually provide direction to your heart by where you put your resources. 
And we see that all the time. If you look at people around you, where they are sinking their treasure, that is where their heart is as well. That's where their involvement is. So part of discipleship and growing in Christ is to say, God, I want to direct my heart toward kingdom things, so Lord, help me to resource kingdom matters. Because as you begin to resource kingdom matters, then your heart begins to follow after in that same measure. So I encourage you this morning, be, uh, take next steps in giving in 2018. That's really all we want to challenge you in. I'm going to invite you to stand as we close in song this morning. And as you're standing, I do want to ask the question. I, I want to see where you're at this morning. Maybe you're here today, and part of the reason you don't have a heart to give is because you don't have the new heart that only Jesus can bring. And without our new heart, we kind of stay almost in toddler state, where we remain a bit selfishly hearted. And so the challenge this morning for you is, is if you've not accepted Jesus, if you've not said yes to Jesus, you have to start there. Because as you start there and say yes to Jesus, then you can follow in suit with everything else. So if you're here today and you'd say, you know, I don't have a heart of thanksgiving and that's really because I haven't made a decision to follow Jesus. But you'd also say, but I don't want to stay that way. The greatest thing you could do this Christmas season is to make a decision to follow Jesus. And so we want to give you that opportunity this morning. So with every head bowed in this room and you'd say, you know what, I don't have a heart of thanksgiving and that's because I've not made a decision to follow Jesus, but I want to make that decision today. Simply raise your hand and we want to pray with you before you go today. Anybody here today that would say, I want to make that decision to follow Jesus. I need to know him as Lord and Savior. Anybody here today that would say, that's me. I want to make that decision to follow God today. I want to receive that heart of thanksgiving that only he can bring. Anybody here today that would say, that's me. Well, let me pray. God, we just thank you for the opportunity to give. We thank you, God, in this principle that, that where we invest our resources, our heart will follow. So God, I just pray that you would challenge us today as we head into a new year, as we celebrate this season of giving, Lord, I just pray that you'd help us to direct our heart in the right path, that we might see our heart follow. And God, I just pray for those in this room. If there are those that are here today that, that don't have a heart of thanksgiving because they don't have a heart after you, I just pray, Jesus, that you would give them a desire to follow you today. And that as we depart from this place, that instead of going out those back doors, they'd come to the front to say, you know what, I, I need to make a decision to follow Jesus. I want to know him this Christmas season. And to really be able to celebrate the coming of Jesus. So God, as we close in song today, I just pray that we would sing with hearts of thanksgiving. God, we celebrate all that you have done through Connection Point Church this year. We rejoice in 119 people saying yes to you through this body. God, we rejoice in the many water baptisms and Holy Spirit baptisms. We thank you for the generosity of people that have been blessed through the food pantry, through car seats, God, in so many ways that we have been able to receive resources and see them back out the door to bless others, to result in others' hearts of thanksgiving. We just thank you for that today, God. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.